Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. I'm calling today's message Resurrection Proof. Resurrection Proof. And I want to deliver the word of the Lord to you like a defense attorney would deliver his statements in a court of law. I want to share with you about the resurrection and talk about how the resurrection is true. This resurrection is not a fairy tale. This resurrection is not a legend. Uh, This resurrection has nothing to do with fantasy. This resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a real and not only historical event, but a spiritual occasion that has taken place that has redeemed us from death, hell, and the grave. And I like what Jesus said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. So we're not solely talking about an event. We are talking about a person. And so let's let's dive right into the word of the Lord. And I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And meet me at verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. I want to welcome everyone that is watching live. Thank you so much for worshiping with us wherever you are. Click like, comment, and share. And if you're in the house today with your cell phone devices, click share. Let's evangelize. Let's get the word of God out from this place and let us impact people with God's word. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. And as always, those of you in the house, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. First Corinthians chapter 15, let's look at verse 12. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some, some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ and we are all men the most pitiable. But look at verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I I really think that if the Apostle Paul was alive today, this is the message that he would preach. The message I'm going to preach to you today, I believe the Apostle Paul would preach it in regards to the resurrection. If if Jesus didn't rise, if he was not resurrected, we are still dead in our sins and we are still useless. We have no hope, no expectation for the future, no hope and no expectation for our redemption, no hope and no expectation for our salvation. We are simply just dead in our sins. And there are other religions, in particular uh, Muslims. Muslims believe in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is ironic to me that they believe in the virgin birth, but they don't believe in the crucifixion. And they don't believe in the resurrection. Uh, They believe Jesus died a horrible death and he definitely did not rise. But they do believe in the virgin birth, which is very interesting because a lot of Christians don't even believe in the virgin birth. But uh, I mean, if we can get the Christians to believe in the virgin birth, praise God. But but let me say this. Let me just throw this out there. 
your salvation is not tied to believing in the virgin birth. Your salvation is tied to believing in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything and everyone must believe that Jesus is God, he is not dead, and he is alive. And today what I want to present to you is not simply, because some of you need this, is not simply, well, because the Bible said so, therefore you should believe it. That's not enough sometimes for uh, people today. Well, the Bible says so. Well, I, I, I ended up talking to a guy recently, and I was saying some of the things along the Bible, and I found out that he didn't even believe anything in the Bible. So that, that we didn't have any basis of conversation if he doesn't believe the Bible. I'm going to show you today, uh, we're going to go deeper than just because the Bible said so, you should believe this. We're going to go a little deeper than that because I want to show you through many witnesses in Scripture why Jesus is alive. Come on, somebody shout, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Our Christianity completely depends on the real physical resurrection of the dead body of Jesus. Otherwise, everything we believe is a lie. Absolutely everything we believe is a lie if Jesus did not rise from the dead. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 28. And I want to show you in scripture, Matthew 28. Matthew is one of the four gospels. If anyone asks you what are the four gospels, they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What are the four gospels? These are the four Gospels in Scripture, and every Gospel includes Jesus' arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, his burial, which is important, that means he died, and his resurrection. Uh, uh, footnote, uh, but all four Gospels also include the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well. And so we're going to talk about the resurrection today. And if we're going to look at verse 1, we're going to take our time and look at Matthew's account. All of the Gospels agree. Each person may say something different than the other, but it's not contrary to what the other said. It's in addition to. So if we had four, if, if I came up here and I would never do this, and if I punched Thomas in the face, I would never do that. But if I, and y'all all saw it, and the witness, the police say, what happened? You would have four different ways of explaining what happened. And that's what the gospel is. It's not contrary. It's four different viewpoints of the same event. And we're going to take Matthew's account in verse 1. It says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, the first day of the week is Sunday, began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Look at verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now pause and look at me. A great earthquake takes place. Matthew's the only one that says an earthquake took place. But it's interesting that when Jesus was on the cross and he died for our sins, there was an earth shaking that took place. So not only in his death did the earth shake, in his resurrection the earth shook as well. A great earthquake took place. And watch this. An angel descended from heaven. I believe this is what caused the earthquake. An angel descended from heaven 
And he rolled this big old stone, not a little pebble, but a big giant stone, which was humanly impossible for one man to roll away. He rolled it away with his physical brute strength and pushed the stone out of the way. And then he did something audacious. He sat on it. I mean, this is a big bad boy here. He rolled it away and he sat down on it and said, look at me. Look what I can do. He sat on the stone after he rolled it away. Now let's look at verse 3. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And look at verse 4. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Let's pause. Take a look at me. The guards were paralyzed. So we're talking about, we're not talking about, you know, grabbing three people in here and saying, you guys are guard. You never had any military service, any experience. You guys guard that too. No, we're talking about well-trained, uh, well-executed, military, strong men were now paralyzed with fear. And some of the military people that I know, my dad spent 20 plus years in military. I know some of you here in here as well. These guys are courageous people. Now they're paralyzed. They can't move because of the sight of this gigantic, enormous angel causing an earthquake, rolling the stone away, and then sitting down on top of it like a gangster, you know. He just kind of sat on top of it and say, here I am, you know. And what you going to do, well, they, this is what they're going to do, they're they going to paralyze and freeze. <laughs> Couldn't do nothing about that. And look at verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, because you remember the women, somebody say the women. The women showed up to take a look at the body of Jesus. The angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse six, he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Look at verse seven and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Look at verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Let's pause here. Take a look. The angel is talking now to the women. One more time. Say the women. If you're in, in the comments in the chat room, write the women, the women. The angel is talking to the women. And the first thing the angel tells them is he is risen. He's not here. Oh, this is so powerful. The very first species of being that heard the resurrection was women. The very first ministers that preached the resurrection was women. If you were trying to have a fairy tale and you were trying to deceive people with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, you would not say that women were preachers. You would say the men. There were some men that came and we got because it was so foreign for women to be preachers, to be ministers. But God saw so fit. Mm, come on, where are my women at? God saw so fit. That the women were the first preachers. The women were the first ones that heard about the resurrection. The women will read were the first ones to see Jesus. The women were the first one to tell the so-called powerful apostles and disciples that Jesus is alive. Come on, women. God's got a plan for your life. 
God's got a purpose for your life. God wants you to preach the gospel. That's, this is why this whole idea where women ain't supposed to preach, you just made that up. I mean, the angel literally told the women to preach. Go preach. Well, no, they're not supposed to be because remember Paul said a woman shouldn't do this. The, what, see, if you really, can, can I go deeper with this? If you really read this, Paul is actually answering questions that people asked him. And he's reading the question of what people are saying. And then he responds and answers it. So people are saying, well, women aren't supposed to preach. No, that's what someone else said. And Paul is answering that question, but he's reading the question first. Women were the first preachers. Women were the first ones to know Jesus is alive. And if I want to make up this resurrection story, remember, I'm a defense attorney this morning. If I want to make up a resurrection story, I would not say women were preaching that Jesus is alive. I just wouldn't include that because that's so audacious and so undeniable or, you know, and, 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 and unbelievable. And, and that's so much doubt is causing that. But the Lord Jesus is not concerned about your doubt. He's concerned about your belief. And isn't it just like him to take something that people would seem to not appreciate and then turn it into something great? Isn't it just like God to take someone that was broken, busting and disgusting? Mary Magdalene was a prostitute and then turn her into the first minister of the risen Savior. Come on, somebody. If you don't think God can use your life, just read the Bible. He used a drunk. He used a murderer. He used gluttons. He used, even used disobedient folks. Come on, somebody. And if your heart is right to be faithful, if he can use a disobedient man or woman, he can use you. Amen. Hey, man. And so we see here, go back here. Let's look at verse 8, Matthew 28, verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. They, they look at me, they quickly ran out. They were so excited that the angel said, he's not here, he's alive, that they quickly ran out. Are we quick to run out and tell someone that Jesus is alive? I mean, are you quick to run out and tell someone, man, listen, I got good, good news for you. You don't have to be in your sins any longer. God's no longer counting your sins against you. Matter of fact, he took your sins and nailed it to his cross. And all you have to do is accept him as your Lord and Savior. Are you quickly running out telling people this? Well, the women did. And look at verse 9. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. Come, yeah, say it again, rejoice. rejoice. Hallelujah. Somebody fired up in here. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Now, take a look at me. Jesus met them on the road. They're going, they're going, they heard the angel, go preach. Jesus is like, go preach. Go tell them knuckleheaded, hard-headed, doubting men that Jesus is alive. And then Jesus shows up. Hallelujah. He says, rejoice. 
hey, hey, rejoice, here I am. Didn't I tell you I wasn't going to stay in that grave too long? Didn't I try to tell you that Jonah was in the well in the mouth of the fish, but he was gone after three days. I was trying to tell you that I wasn't going to be in there too long, glory to God. Matter of fact, I wasn't even laying in that grave. My spirit went down to the pits of hell, and I went down there and I conquered death hell and the grave and I snatched the keys of death from the enemy and I punched them in the face and I paraded around them and made them bow down to my almighty power that I am because I am God and there is no other like me. Come on somebody get excited about Jesus. He came back up. See he's on his way up at this point. See he already went down. Some people don't believe this but you better believe he went to hell. Because if he didn't go to hell, you would have to. He took our place in every way, every single way. He was our ultimate substitutionary sacrifice in every way. He's tempted. He was tempted in his humanity exactly like we're tempted. But he conquered it all, using himself as an example for you and I. And so he went down the hill. Snatched up the keys, came back up, reconnected with his body. Glory to God. Reconnected with his body. Now he's walking around in a glorified body. And now he's telling, look here in verse 10. Take a look, verse 10. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Once again, the angel endorsed the women to preach. Now Jesus is endorsing the women to preach. If I'm making up a fairy tale, I would not include this. But... This is truth. Look at verse 11. Now, this is this will get you here. Verse 11. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to chief priests all the things that happened. So these paralyzed guys are finally, you know, they finally loose now from their fear. And now they're going, oh, let me tell you what happened. This big old angel came right in. This earthquake happened. I was so scared. It almost I was almost scared to death. I used to say that a long time ago. Before I understood the power of the word, I used to say, that scared me to death. I don't say that anymore. Because actually, you can be scared to death. Literally. And so these men were paralyzed to the point of scared to death. Look at verse 12. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave them a large sum of money to the soldiers. Saying, verse 13, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. Look at verse 14. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. 15. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews this day. Now pause with me and take a look at this. So. These men, scared to death, they go to the chief priests, to the scribes. They go to the governor. Listen, this angel came down. I mean, my goodness, he was big and bad, and I couldn't do nothing with him. I was shook for fear, and, and he pushed this rock out. He sat on it and said, you know what you're going to do about it, you know, and I couldn't do nothing about it because I was paralyzed on the ground because I was so scared of him. And, and then, now listen, I know the governor going to kill me because, you know, we're supposed to protect the body. And you know Jesus had been 
prophesying that he was going to rise. I mean, he had been prophesying it. So you know it was well secure that somebody, you know, disciples going to come and steal his body because he'd been prophesying he was alive. And so it was well guarded. But, the, you know, hey, I, I couldn't do anything. This angel, okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Why don't you take this little money? Okay, I got some cash for you, okay? I'm going to slide it under the table. Now, when you take this money, you don't say nothing, okay? All you do is you just simply say, the disciples came overpowered us because we were asleep. First of all, you're not supposed to be asleep. If you sleep on the job, you know, you, you, in America, you get fired. Somewhere else, you might get killed. Thank, say, thank God I'm an American. <laughs> Come on now. And so they sleep on the job. And, and, you know, hey, or this is the lie. You know, just say the disciple came while we sleep and, you know, just took him away. And here's a little money. Now, now understand the Romans have all of the influence, all of the power, all of the military arsenal, all of the money, everything you need to have to produce the body, they got it. They got, they got the help. They got the money. They got the know-how. They got everything you need to produce the body. And all they needed to do was produce the body. Just produce the body. Were they looking? You know they're looking. Where is he at? All you got to do is just produce the body. Where's the body? That's it. Find the body. All this influence. Everything that we believe would be a lie if they just simply produced the body. That's it. Show us the body. Well, aren't you glad that Jesus' body has never been found? Glory to God. Because he is alive. Come on, somebody shout, he's alive. He's alive. But that's, that's all they needed to do was just produce the body. But instead, they produced a lie. And scripture tells us that this lie ran around that the disciples, who were not known for fighting, by the way, just somehow got the tomb open. The men were asleep and they stole the body. And even to this day, the body cannot be produced. All we need to put a flaw, a hole in everything we believe is his physical body. Well, believe because the Bible says so. Let's go deeper. Believe when they produce the body. Where's the body? Well, it got stolen. Okay, where's that? I mean, get it back. Well, we don't know. Because he's alive. See, it's deeper than, well, you know, the only reason you guys believe in God because the Bible says so. No, we got historical evidence now. Yeah, we believe it. Our faith has to be activated. But we've got evidence now that women were preaching and the body was never produced. And then now the soldiers are bribed. They're bribed to say that there is no body. Now, let's keep reading here. And now let's get into the Great Commission. Verse 16, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. You know, he told them to go there, verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Watch this. But some doubted. Let's pause there for a second. Okay, so the women told him, listen, get to Galilee. We ran into Jesus. He, the angel, first of all, there was this big old angel that told us to go. Then we saw Jesus. 
He told us to tell y'all to go. Then they get there and Jesus showed up and still some of them doubted. That's, that's just, ain't that just like you and I sometimes? Oh my gosh, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, I'm so scared I'm all alone. You have had experiences with Jesus. God said, I'm going to take care of your money. Don't worry about that money. I'm going to take care of that bill. I'm going to cover that for you. Don't lose any sleep. on. And you've seen miracles and you've experienced miracles, but oh, not this. God's not going to do it this time. Just this time, he's not going to cover it for me. I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm going to have to rob somebody. I'm going to do something myself. I mean, I'm going to get that money. Maybe I'll just, I don't know. I, I, maybe I worked triple shifts. I've got to get this. I've got to get it because God, and God literally said, I won't take care of you. You've seen me take care of you before. Let me do it again. To this day, sometimes if something gets tight financially or if something happens financially, even to this day, that temptation comes on me. Oh, here we go. You want to produce that. You're going to have to go door to door. Come on. Who are you going to call? You need, you need to knock on the door, ask to borrow some money. Who can you call to borrow some money? You know, maybe you need to borrow some money. And I sit back and I think about when I first moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I got a job at Panera Bread, making $8 an hour, living in an apartment as a single man. And I, to this day, still don't know how the rent was getting paid. I don't, the, the calculator, it just wasn't adding up. $8 an hour, trying to pay the rent. I, it, it just didn't add up, but every time the first of the month came, the money was in the account. Woo, glory to God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you got some experiences when I'm talking? Not many of you, but I know that if you are like me, some of you are like me and say, I know some of you have always been rich and you've always had enough money. But uh, listen, this is, you know, some of you just, all, that's why when I talk about God wants to bless you, just, you know, I've always been blessed. I mean, God don't want to bless you. This is why I get, I'm not going to go on my little rant. This is why I get mad at people like, well, that prosperity gospel is just, when you broke, you want to hear that God wants to prosper. See, you, you have a problem with it because you ain't never been broke. But when you broke, I need to hear that God came to preach the gospel to the poor. I need to hear that God wants to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. I need to hear that God said that he's going to take care of me. When you're broke, you need to hear that. But see, the people that have a problem with it ain't never been broke. Well, I got a problem with that prosperity. God, God don't want them he, like God wants you to advance. And, and, and I mean, it's all throughout. You can't take away prosperity and gospel. The gospel includes prosperity. So let me ask again, if anybody, any of y'all ever have been check to check, it's been tight, and God has come through for I should see more hands, not all the hands, but I, I tell you what, more hands came up saying, yes, yes, I know what you're talking about because God has been faithful, and these disciples doubt it. They doubt it. How often do you and I doubt? We doubt. We question. And, and here's what really, here's the real question behind doubt. How? It's how. How is he going to do it? These disciples, how in the world is he standing here before? We saw him crucified. We saw him die dead. We saw him buried. How? How? And God, let me tell you, God never asks you how you're going to do it. That's your brother and sister. They're asking you how. Your grandma and, and your son you know, they're asking you, you know, how, now how are you going to do that? Uh, no, no, God don't ever ask you how. God says, trust me. 
believe me, and I'll do it. Now let's take a look at verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is commissioning his disciples. Go into all the world and let them know I am alive. I'm alive. Somebody say, I'm alive. Let them know I'm alive. So, number one, we find out here, proof, angels were the first preachers. Two, we find out that the Romans bribed the soldiers. We find out all you have to do to put a hole in anything we, need, we believe in is just simply produce the body. If they came with the body of Jesus, then, man, he's not alive. But just produce the body. The body couldn't be produced. And let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 one more time. And we're going to start at verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Moreover, and brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now let's pause there and take a look at me. You're saved, but what do you have to do? You have to hold fast. That means you have to continue to believe the word. Or what you believe is in vain and you didn't really believe it in the first place. We got to continue. We got to hold fast what we believe. The race isn't given to the swift, but to those that endure to the end. Now let's look at verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained until the present, but some have fallen asleep. Look at verse 7. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Now, look at me and let's break this down. First of all, we understand that Jesus was seen by Peter. So Peter says, I saw him. Then the 12 say, I saw him. Then he said 500 at one time. Not 500 separately, 500 at one time. At the same time, 500 people at the same time said, I saw him. So, let's pause there for a second. If we got 500 people in here, someone comes, comes in here, I'm just going to do a famous, Michael Jordan comes in. 500 people said, man, Michael Jordan was at church today. Man, Michael Jordan, I mean, he was there. We all saw him. You saw him? We were all there. All of us there. We saw him. We saw him. We saw him. Everybody saw him. At some point, we're going to have to start trusting that all 500 people saw him. It's going to be real difficult to get 500 people at one time to lie and say, well, he didn't see him. But 500 people at one time all saw Jesus. And he continues there and says, some are still alive today at the time of the writing, but some have Past. But he showed up and revealed himself to 500 people at one time. Then 
he goes on and say, and the Apostle Psalm, right? The Apostle Psalm, James, James Psalm, the Apostle Psalm. And then Paul says, and last of all, he was seen by me. And so, and we know that Paul saw him because he was Saul and he appeared on the road to Damascus. That's when the conversion took place. Jesus himself was a light, revealed himself, said, I am Jesus. And he saw him. And you remember Saul uh, actually wasn't around when Jesus was physically walking the earth. So he saw him after the fact. Paul said, I saw him. So women preaching, lying about uh, the bribe. We were bribing the soldiers. All you got to do is produce the body. Then Peter says, well, you know, even though I cursed him three times, I saw him. He appeared to me, and then he told me to preach, feed my sheep. Twelve disciples saw him at once. That's when he gave him the great commission. Then 500 people at one time saw him. And then James saw him, and now Paul saw him. I mean, at some point, and then you can't produce the body. At some point, Jesus is alive. And, and, and at some point, he's alive not simply, I hope y'all track with me when I say this, not simply because the Bible said so, but by credible witnesses. Produce the body and what we believe is in vain. Produce the body and what we believe is all a lie. Here's the good part. Jesus still has his body. Hallelujah. There's a man in the Trinity. Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus, with his body. No blood in the body because he poured it out for you and I, glory to God, and laid it on the atonement, on the, on the altar there so all of our sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and here's what you do when First John says, confess your sins and he'll be faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what's really happening there is really when you confess your sins, you are literally agreeing with I am wrong. See, now, let, let me tell you, because this is what I used to think. This is going to help somebody. When I first received the Lord Jesus, we had a lot of tradition when I first received Jesus. It was, you had certain ways to pray. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It was so much tradition. And it, one of it was when you approached God, you had to ask for all, all forgiveness of your sins. That's the first thing you had to do. And seen or unseen, you know, or um, what was it? Sins of commission and sins of omission, which meant sins you know you did and sins you didn't know you do. That was the first thing you had to do. And so you had to come and I had to confess all these things. I remember just being a little boy, just confessing, well, I lied to the teacher today. I confess it. And, and, you know, I don't know if I hurt that person's feelings or not, but I confessed that or not. And, and, oh man, you know, my mom said I talked back. I didn't really talk back, but I got to confess that. And I was just, I was confessing, confessing. I never even got to praise and worship or request. I just, I had to go to sleep just confessing sin, you know, because my goodness, if I just miss one, he's not faithful and just because I missed that sin and he's holding that sin back against me. There are people, I, I talk to these people when I, see this happened because I was in kindergarten. I stole, no, 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 no. He's faithful and just. He's forgiven all of your sin. Your confession is all about you recognizing it, and it is a form of repentance. 
I'm changing. I'm going a 180 direction. And so God has forgiven you. Listen, some people argue that your future sins are not forgiven. I submit to you, if that is true, then we are not forgiven. Because on the cross, which happened over 2,000 years ago, we're in the future if we look at the cross. So our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. It's because Jesus is alive. Now, does that make you want to go sin? And this is, this is the gospel. They even asked Paul the same question in Romans chapter 6. Well, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. God forbid that we should continue in sin so that grace may abound. No, we should continue in a life of thankfulness and holiness and righteousness. And if we miss the mark, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to forgive us of our misdoings and our wrongdoings. But we shouldn't continue to sin. So that grace may abound? No, God forbid you do that. Walk in his righteousness, walk in his holiness, and walk. And holiness simply means believing the same as God believes. This is holy. We like to think, well, holiness means don't, don't put no makeup on. That's not what holiness is. Please put some makeup on. I want, I want to see you with some makeup on, okay? I, I don't want to see you without the makeup, okay? You're turned into another woman. I want to see you with the makeup on. No. No, 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 it ain't about the, 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 it's not about the makeup. It's about seeing the same way God sees it. If God says that is wrong, you don't say, well, I think it's okay. No, you say that's wrong. That's holy. If God said that color is blue, you don't say, well, it looks a little green to me. You say, no, God said it was blue. And that color's blue. I see it as blue. That's holy. That's holy right there. I'm going to see it the way God sees it. That's holiness. And when we walk in this holiness and, and walk in righteousness, we are the righteousness of God and righteous people know who they are in Christ. And you know that you have been forgiven and all your sins have been wiped away. Our Christianity completely depends on the real physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ or it's all a lie. But I submit to you this morning that not only did women see him and not only did women become preachers and not only did they try to bribe the soldiers and not only did they try to co convince the, 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 the elders that the body was stolen and not only did Peter see him and not only did James see him, not only did 501 see him, not only did Paul see him, at some point, and not only we've never found the body, at some point, Jesus is alive. And, he's, and, and what is he doing right now? Yeah, you can clap for Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Clap for Jesus. And what he's doing right now is he's interceding for you and I. He's praying for us. He's praying for us right now. He says, Father, I know how that feels. You know, Father, I came down in the flesh. And I know that temptation that they're going through. I know the struggle that they're going through. I know how it feels. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to stand in the gap for them. I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to be a faithful witness. I'm going to be a, a faithful support, an advocate in their place, defending them before the throne of God. My blood speaks. And his blood is speaking right now for you and I. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, 
go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.